Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Let's pray and jump into this. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you're a good God, that you gave us a church that we can come together and fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. Father, I thank you that you are moving right now in this service. You are speaking to each and every one of us. You are empowering each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that it's not by my might, it's not by my strength, but it's by your Spirit. That out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. That the word that's about to go forth will fall on good ground in these people's lives, Father. I ask that you speak and flow through me and speak into these people's lives. That no one walks out of here without hearing something from you that they can take home and they can apply to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The title of my sermon is, I Won't Forget. I Won't Forget. And I want to tell you today, I have a terrible time remembering. This is a faith declaration of my own. Uh, Last week, my wife was about to come up here for play practice and, uh, not play practice, worship practice. And Come on, brain. Your pastor's watching. Um, if I walk over here away from the camp, oh, he's moving it. Oh, well. My wife was leaving, and uh, she said, hey, uh, actually, I didn't hear what she said. I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea what she said. What she said was, hey, your son had a little allergic reaction to some eggs that he ate, so I gave him some Benadryl. I didn't hear that. She left 30 minutes later. I'm playing with my son. We're hanging out. And I see that he's having a little allergic reaction. He has some little bumps around his lips. And I said, hey, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to take care of my son. I'm going to give him some Benadryl to get rid of that. So then I text my wife, hey, look at me. I'm a good husband. Gave our kids some Benadryl. The amount of exclamation marks and probably words in between those exclamation marks that I received telling me that I I didn't listen, um... So instantly, I text my brother, who's in the medical field, and I'm like, hey, how much is too much Benadryl? Um, She gave him five milligrams. I gave him five milligrams. We're up to 10. Um, That's as high as I can count. How are we doing? And then his first question back was, what's his weight? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, oh, goodness. I said, well, you know, you know, I don't have any weight, so neither does he. But we survived. He's good. But I forget. I forget things. I I, I don't remember things. I think one thing that is going to be the end of our marriage, if it's anything, is I cannot remember a password to anything. And I set the password. I'm the one who puts the password in, and I tell my wife, and and I can't remember it. So when I go to pay my bills, I have no idea. I can't log in to anything. I can't pay my electric bill, and and that's my excuse, but they don't like it. They, they, They get mad at me. Like, well, do you know my password? They're like, no, we don't. I'm like, well, then I can't pay it either. So I can't remember it. I mean, I, I can't remember how to get into AT&T. I, I can't remember how to get into Chase Bank or, or my electric company or, or how to pay my apartment or our car note or um, even we went on, I went on a cruise once. I don't know my password to that. Um, I signed up for some magazine once. I, I don't know it. Um, and then I set, like, reminders on there, and they always ask you these weird questions, like, who's your third cousin, or who's your fifth uncle? I'm like, I, I don't know who that is either. Um, what color was your dog, you know, seven years ago? Um, the one question that always gets me that I always answer and I always put is, what street did you live on as a child? I can remember that. It's Hemlock. 
But then the question comes up like six months later, and I can't remember. Did I put Hemlock? Did I put Hemlock Street? Was it in all caps? Did I hyphenate? Did I? I have no idea. And it's frustrating because I, have, I should have access to those. That's, that's my bank account. Those are, um, I'm not going to declare those are my bills, but uh, there's something that I've got to do with those. But those are my benefits. Those are, those are my things. But sometimes we just forget, and we need a reminder so that we can access the benefits in our life. Sometimes we forget Scripture. Sometimes we forget these simple truths that God has for us. And today I'm here to remind you so that from this point on you can remember and walk in the benefits and the blessings that God has for you. And the declaration today is I won't forget. And you won't forget. So we're going to do something simple like when we were in kids' church. We're going to put the scripture up on the screen. It's a really short scripture, um, and we're going to read it. Uh, I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to read it together, and then we're going to hand out coloring pages and probably even some goldfish, and we'll see what happens. Um, Psalms 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. Very simple scripture. Very simple topic, but I guarantee you that in some point in our lives, if we've had a rough week, like Alex was saying, we've forgotten this simple point. And I'm here to remind you today so that you can openly walk in the benefits and blessings of the Lord. So let's make this scripture our own. We just got out of a series where Pastor Eric was talking about declaring, about speaking, about naming it and claiming it. So why should I just be the only one declaring it today? Let's all make it a friend. Here we go. One, two, three, four. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Doesn't that make you feel better already? So the first thing we're going to talk about is the Lord is on my side. In Hebrew, the word Lord is Jehovah, which means the existing one. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who has always exists. Who has seen humanity at its best, at its worst, throughout history. He has seen it all. And I'm here to tell you today, he's overcome it all. There's nothing that he's seen in humanity where he said, hold up, stop all of heaven, stop all of eternity. We do not know how to fix this. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, he did not freak out about it. He did not flip over a table. He did not punch an angel. Now, there might be another text of the Scriptures that talks about that, but I have not found it yet. I do not see any of that. He doesn't do any of that. Because he's the existing one. He's steadfast. He doesn't change. He's not bothered when things get crazy. He shows up. He changes things. He does things. And I'm here to tell you that God is on your side today. Now, you sitting out there in the crowd, I already know. I can already, I can already hear the questions going through your mind. The Holy Spirit's talking to me. Every one of your thoughts is coming right into my mind right now. Here they come. Oh, goodness. Yikes. And the first question that you're probably answering is, is he really on my side? The Bible says the Lord is on my side, but that's not good enough for you because your question is, but is he, is he really on my side? Because this week has not been fun. This year has not been fun. This marriage has not been fun. These finances, not my marriage, my marriage is really fun. These kids have not been fun. 
this job, this car, etc., etc., has not been fun, is God really on my side? And I would be a terrible pastor if I just closed the sermon and said, let's find out tomorrow. So I'm going to go ahead and answer that and explain to you that, yes, God is on your side. God has always been on the side of humanity. In Genesis chapter, chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve. They just ate the fruit. The snake is there. God shows up on the scene. Adam, Eve, snake, they're all there. The bitten apple is rolling on the floor. God is looking at them as they're trying to cover themselves, as the snake is laughing or doing whatever he's doing. And we instantly see God taking humanity's side because the very first person or thing that he talks to is the snake. He doesn't say, Adam, Eve, what did you do? If I'm God, I'm coming down with a vengeance because he didn't tell the snake not to eat the fruit. He told Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit. So if I'm correcting anyone as God, Adam and Eve, what did you do? But that's not God because God is on your side. So he stands on the side of humanity, and he says, Snake, what did you do? And because of what you did, there are going to be punishments for that. And then he tells them to his face at the beginning of time, you're going to bite his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Because God is on your side, he's always been on humanity's side. In Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, humanity. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the past, God was on our side. In the current time right now, if you aren't saved, while you were a sinner, God is on your side. While you're doing the things you know you shouldn't be doing, God is on your side. Past, present, and future, let's jump to the end of time. 1 John 4.17, you hear the scripture preached all the time, especially here. Herein is our love made perfect, that may, we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we. God stands on humanity's side at the beginning in Genesis, throughout the Scriptures and throughout human time. He says, whether you're a sinner or not, here I am for you. And at the end of time, when we're all standing in front of the judgment seat, when we're all standing in front of God Himself, I don't have to bite my nails, knock my knees together, hope and pray, try and find a sheep to slaughter real quick. Come here, come here, hurry up. Because I have an advocate sitting right on the right hand of the Father. When I was younger, I got a speeding ticket for driving through a school zone. And I had to go stand in front of the judge. And as a kid, there's nobody else with me. I'm there. My parents weren't even with me. And I'm trying to explain to the judge that I went through this zone, this area that told me that I should have slowed my speed down because I didn't want to tell him it was a school zone. So he starts looking through it, trying to be sneaky. I'm trying to, like, oh, I didn't know. And he goes, oh, so you went through a school zone, the judge. I said, uh, yes, yes your, yes, your honor, I did. Um, yes, sir, I'm sorry. He said, the school that you went through, my son goes to that school. Oh, amen. I said, well, death penalty, here I come. I cannot imagine standing in front of God on the day of judgment. Because if, if that moment was anything, 
anything even close to what it was like standing in front of God, whoo, I instantly need another pair of pants. And you're asking, is God on my side? God has always been on humanity's side. The second question you're probably asking right now, okay, you've kind of convinced me God's on my side. Like, I really convinced you. That was real good. Like, so you're convinced God is on your side. The second question is that you're probably asking yourself is, then what do I get out of it? If God's on my side, what's he going to do for me? Welcome to the America way. I need it. I need it now. I'm only going to help if it, if it affects me. I only show up to church if it benefits me. I'm not going to serve anywhere. I hate kids. They're dirty. Snotty nose. I don't like coffee. I'm not serving in the coffee house. What benefits me? I'm glad you asked. Got some answers. I'll just give you a few. Just a few. Salvation from hell. Here's a start. We'll go with there. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. Romans 10.13, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Once again, if I'm God, I'm putting caveats there. Hold up. Whoa, not whoever. Maybe just the men. The men first. And then you can bring your wives. Maybe if you just have this much money, $100,000 or more, I'll let you in for free. Maybe if this, maybe if that. But God has the audacity to say, whoever, whenever, whatever's going on, if you call on my name, I have to respond and show up because I'm on your side. The end of John 3.16. We shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation. That's not a good enough benefit. Here we go. Let's keep going down the list. Relationship with the Almighty God. James 4.8, draw near to God. He's on your side. He has to draw near to you is the second part of that verse. The word draw in the Greek means to join together. You draw near to God. He joins together with you. We're in this together. Partnership. We're doing this together. You're not alone. That's not enough. We talk about it in offering all the time. Favor. Psalms 5.12, favor surrounds us like a shield. It's with us for life. We have favor with God and man. Everywhere we go, we win. Not a good enough benefit for you. All right, here we go. Healing. People tired of being sick? He wants to heal you. He already healed you. It's a benefit. By his stripes, we're already healed. How about eternity? How about that? No? Okay, well, here we go. Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, is talking to the disciples, chapter 14. And if I go to prepare a place for you, newsflash, it's not a trailer park, it's a place of mansions. If you live in a trailer park, God bless you. I used to live in one too. Just one trailer, but we had a park. He's building mansions for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. All throughout the scriptures, God has come down to humanity. In Genesis, God came down to the garden to spend time with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. He says, okay, I'll send my son down to earth to save you. Okay, I need Jesus back. Come on back. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit down into each one of my people. And there's a point in time 
where God is tired of coming down to us and it's coming sooner than later where he's going to say, Jesus, I'm tired of going down there. You go down there and bring them up here so that we can spend eternity together. So that way I'll never have to heal them anymore because they're already healed. They're already free. They will never taste death again. That's how much God is on your side. There's some more benefits out there. I'm not going to tell you them all. Why don't you go find out what the insurance plan says? Tell me if you've ever heard of these people before, famous people. Jojo English. Nope. Okay. Trent Tucker. Anybody? We got a Trent Tucker here? Keith Booth? No? Never heard of those? What about Randy Brown? Everybody knows a Randy, but did you know Randy Brown? No. Okay. Let me tell you some stats about Randy Brown. He played in 655 NBA games. He was a point guard in the NBA. He averaged 4.8 points a game. Yikes, Randy. That's, that's not a good, that's not good. He shot 41% from anywhere on the field. Anywhere on the court, he shot 41%. Oh, gets worse, Randy. 20% from the three-point line. 20%. My Cajun math is not that strong, but he made two out of every 10 shots. If I gave you the odds today, you, will, you have a 20% chance to make it home today if Randy Brown drives you. Are you taking those odds? Absolutely not. Not taking them at all. Randy Brown won three NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls. He won it in 96, he won it in 97, he won it in 98. There are a total of 44 players who won a championship because there was a man by the name of Michael Jordan who said, if you just give me 4.8 points, if you just believe and you just speak that out, 4.8 points, I'll take on the rest and I'll bring you to where you need to go. When you realize that God is on your side, who cares who your opponent is because you will win every time. God is just asking you to take a step of faith. Just declare the scriptures once. Just believe them once and I'll do the rest because God is on your side today. He's saying just do a little bit today. Just believe me for a second today and we'll win every situation. Second point, I will not fear. 2 Timothy 2.7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. That is good enough right there. Once again, if I'm God and I'm sitting on the throne, I told you I wouldn't give you a spirit of fear. Why are you still here? Go. That's enough. You'll get another Christmas present next year. But that's not God. God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but what I have given you, he should have just given you one more thing. I take away one thing, I give you one thing. One for one. That's not God. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but what I have given you is power and love and a sound mind. He's on your side, and he's taking away the bad things, and he's giving you an overabundance of good things. Psalms 23, David says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because God is on my side. Ephesians 6 says, Put on the full armor of God. Having done all to stand, run away. Having done all to stand, go cry in the corner. 
Having done all to stand, get in the car, drive to the bar. Having done all to stand, let your wife deal with it. Having done all to stand, the scripture says, stand. And I used to hate that scripture. I'm tired of standing. I've been standing and standing and believing and believing and believing. I don't want to believe anymore. Believed enough. Tired of believing. But then I started reading the whole book. And it says, put on the full armor of God. Oh, so when I get God involved, he helps me stand. And because he's right next to me helping me stand, oh, I can stand again. And I can stand firmer. And I can stand stronger. And I can stand right now and declare, I will not fear. Because there's something about fear that humanity loves, that they enjoy. I don't know what it is. But when something happens, usually our first inclination is to fear. You get that bill in the mail, and you open it, ah. We have a whole genre of horror movies. We love being scared. We got a whole day, scare everybody, just do whatever you want. Put a mask on, scare everybody. I've been to one horror movie in my life, at the movie theater, at the picture show. It was terrifying. My brother convinced me to go. I hate horror movies, hate everything about it. It was called The Ring. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's a terrible movie. Don't ever go see it. We're sitting in there. And I, honestly, I don't know what happened in the movie. My eyes were shut the whole time. I tried to look at my brother, to, but we were both in high school, and I was like, uh, can you hold me, please? You get toward the end of the movie. I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. The dead person who they thought was dead is still alive and still killing people. It's, it's terrible. And there's people, as the movie is ending, they stand up and they start stretching in the movie theater because they think the credits are about to roll. And if you've never seen it, there's this little girl. She's really creepy. She comes out of a TV. She just, she just crawls right out the TV. I thought she was going to crawl straight out the screen. She might crawl out of that screen. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I'm watching it now. There's a TV there, too. I got my eyes on all three of them. And the girl, they say, oh, she's dead, it's over, oh, we're all good, everybody's happy. And then the next scene happens, and here she comes, crawling out the screen. And there's people in the, in, in the crowd screaming, oh, my God, she's still alive. I go home that night, and I just start unplugging everything. And Mom's like, what are you doing? I said, well, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but the ring gave me that spirit of fear. I don't know how to get away with it. I don't, I'm just, I'm turning my phone off. I'm unplugging everything. I don't, can we unplug these? Just, I'm, we're getting through it. People enjoy fear. Have you ever seen the Lion King? When the hyenas say his name, Mufasa. Ooh, scary. Ah, we like fear. Ah. But this scripture says, I will not fear. That sometimes in the moment when things are happening in our lives, clench fist, grinding our teeth, whatever I've got to do, I'm going to make the statement today because I know that God is on my side. I choose to not fear. Last year, I had some, some health issues. I've had some stomach and digestive issues on and off over the last couple of years. And we don't really know what causes it. It just kind of happens and we just deal with it and... Um, and so I had to go to urgent care, one of the, the fake ER places, 
um, or the cheaper ER places. So <clears throat> I go there late at night, me and Maddie, and, um, and I sit there and I tell the, the doctor um, or the nurse that's in there what, what's going on with my stomach and different things, and this is what's happening. And he says, okay, documented it all. And uh, so this is like really happened. He, he walks out of the room right next to my door, and I can hear him talking to somebody, and it's like two seconds, like not even long. He opens, I mean, as soon as he shuts it, he opens it back up, and he says, yeah, we, we can't help you. You need to go to the ER. And I was like, um, nope. Uh, I'm at the ER, just the cheaper version. <laughs> no, you need to go to the ER. So I, I get in the car, and we're driving to the ER last year, and I call my brother, who's a doctor, a pharmacist, and I, I list off my symptoms and what's going on, and he starts just like telling me um, what it could be. Um, I think he started with death, and I was like, I, let's, let's, start at the, let's start at the other end, like, you know, like a tummy ache, like, you know, too much candy. Like, let's start there. Um, let's not go to death, but that, you know, whatever. Um, so I've got all this in my mind. We get to the ER. We're getting checked in, and I, uh, I call my parents. My parents are praying with me, and I, I call Pastor Eric, and, and he's praying with me, and I'm I'm walking around the ER as I'm waiting to be seen, and there's all these thoughts just going in and out of my mind, and, and, and inside I can feel the fear rising. I can, I can feel I, I've taken it to the death scenario, not the ouchy too much suckers, but I'm all the way over here of like, oh, I'm about to go in the ER. Like, what if I'm here for an hour? What if I'm here for a year? Like, what if they find something? What, what if this happens? And praying with Pastor Eric, praying with my parents, praying with my wife, I said, well, let's, let's see what happens. God's going to take care of me. And I'd like to say that there was like instant healing that day and, and went to the doctor and they said, oh, well, you need to go to a specialist. And they ran more tests and they ran more tests and they didn't find anything. And I said, okay, well, I can choose right now because they didn't find anything that I can say, oh, it's even worse. Or I can say God has healed me and my physical body has to fall in line with what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, that there is nothing wrong with me. And I'd like to say that, that I don't have any more stomach issues. I, I have them from time to time, but I've, I've tried to change my diet. I've tried to do all these things. But the Scripture says that God is on my side. The Scripture says that by His stripes I am healed. The Scripture says, though, so either it's real or it's false. And too many people have been healed, and I've been healed before. So I choose today. I will not fear when it comes to my health. I choose today in any aspect of my life, I will not fear first. What I will do is faith first. I will go out there and find the scriptures. I will go out there and stand on what he has for me. I will not fear. You today have to make that choice. Are you going to fear first or are you going to faith first? And lastly, and I'm going as quick as I can and I'll shut up. What can man do unto me? Hebrews 13.6 references this verse. It says, Hebrews, same exact verse, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I love when Scripture references Scripture. Reaffirms. It's important. It's something that we should be paying attention to. I love the NIV version. It says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Telling the earlier service, I feel like I should be in like a suit of armor with a sword up here. What can mere mortal do to me? What can they attempt to do to me? 
we see in Paul's life that he's stoned, he's beaten up, he's shipwrecked, he's killed over and over again, but he just gets up. I mean, stoning was like a big deal in that culture, and they knew how to stone. It's not like they were just throwing pebbles. Ouchie. Like, they, they did this on a regular basis. They had pits with rocks to purposely stone. It wasn't like they were like, oh, let's stone him. I've never done that before. How do you do that? Uh, let's throw rocks at him. Oh, brilliant. No, they knew how to do that. It talks about him lying in the pool of his own blood, rocks all around. They walk off knowing that they have killed him. But what can man do to Paul? Paul sits up, pop that back in, shake that back in, appreciate it, God. He doesn't run away from the city, he just walks back in. Hey, guys, sorry, uh, we lost some people, they left, I know it's late, sorry, got caught up in, in the stoning. Um, point number three, is that where we're at? Oh, yeah, Christ died for your sins, he was buried and he rose again. Okay, um, yeah, didn't we just kill that guy? Who is... Okay. Samson. Couldn't keep Samson out the club. Loved him some ladies. Always partying. Girl walked by. Hey. How are you? They shave his head. Loses his strength. They pull his eyes out. What can man do to me? I've been strong before, and I'll be strong one more time. God, you're on my side. I'm not going to fear in this moment. Give me strength one more time. And he killed more Philistines than he'd ever killed in his whole time. Jesus himself. Jesus is preaching and teaching and doing all these miracles. And they would either, one, come up and be like, hey, put him on the throne. He's our new king. Or they'd say, hey, that's heresy. Let's stone him. And every time it says he would walk in between the midst of them. Can't touch me. Nope. Nope. Whoops. Slippery. Jesus is standing there about to go to the cross. Pontius Pilate all in his get up is, I have the power to save you. Jesus is like, no, um, excuse me. You don't have the power. I willingly, I give myself away. I give myself. What can man do to me? You don't own me. If you look at the word man in Hebrew, it stands for the word Adam. God is on my side. What shall I fear? What can Adam do to me? We are now under the new covenant. And I'm telling you today that through this scripture, God is showing us what can the consequences of sin that Adam did do to me? Can death affect me anymore? Can unrighteousness affect me anymore? Can sin affect me anymore? Not when God is on my side. Not when I'm walking in faith. What can man, what can Adam, what can the consequences of sin do to me anymore? Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, how much more, which we receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, shall reign in the life by one Jesus Christ? Therefore, verse 18, 
as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Not anymore. So by the obedience of one shall you be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. The consequences of Adam cannot affect me anymore. Because God is on my side. There's an HBO series that was called Band of Brothers. It's about the world war, about some... Men who fought in World War II. There was a man by the name of Ronald Spears. If you've ever seen the, the series, you'll know this guy. He was watching a, a battle take place in France. I think the city was called Foy, and they were fighting the Germans. And the leader that was bringing the men into battle had a total meltdown. He just, he just lost it, and the higher-ups told Spears, get on in there. Just go take care of it. There's men dying everywhere. The companies are spread out like crazy. And all of a sudden, he runs out there. Bullets flying toward him. He runs, tells the commander, you're doing a terrible job. I got it. Just go do whatever you got to do. He asks his men, where are we? What's happening right now? Say, well, this company over here is stretched thin. This one's trying to uh, do some type of counterattack. And, and we're, just, we're just failing in all ways. And he says, okay, well, where's this company? And they said, well, that company, when it had tanks, they're on the other side of the city, and they're retreating. And he says, no, we have to have that company. They have to come on the backside and flank them so that we can win this battle. So here goes Spears, as he's with his men, takes off running toward the Germans. And if you've ever seen the series, it's an amazing scene. As Germans are shooting, and all the Americans almost just stop shooting as they watch Spears, this is a true story, run through the German military. He runs through the town. He runs to the other side of the city, he hops on a tank, he knocks on the tank door, the guy opens the hatch, and he says, don't leave, I need you, just stay right here, shoot your guns this way, we'll win the battle. They close the tank, he doesn't stay there, it says that he runs back through the city, through the German troops, as they all just watch and start shooting at him, and he gets to the other side, back to his troops, and says, hey guys, let's go win the battle. Because he puts himself in harm's way. He runs through the enemy. He runs through everything that he has to do so that he can save his people. One man does everything he can. He goes into the deepest, darkest places possible so that he can save all of humanity. And then he runs back to humanity to say, I'm on your side, and now let's go win. Because God sent his son into an enemy-infested world, and he pursued you because where sin and the enemy abounded, his grace did much more abound. So what can any man do to you? There was a man who took all the punishment, who took all the penalty, who took all the pain, so therefore now you can stand up and say that God is on my side. I'm not going to fear. What can any man do to me? And I'm done and I'm closing up. So I'm here to remind you today I'm here to remind you, you might have forgotten your password. You might have forgotten that God's on your side today. You might be encountering a situation, a relationship, an issue, something, and you forgot. But I'm your reminder today. Psalms 118.6, God is on your side. Choose today and stand firm. I will not fear. 
because what can any man do to me? What can he do? The worst of the worst, I end up in heaven. The worst of the worst, I end up with a testimony of how God showed up again. How he paid my bills. How he healed my body. How he saved my mind. How he restored my soul. And all that matters now is when we get to heaven. God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I'm telling you right now, family, God has a job for you to do. It might not be to stand behind this pulpit, but God created you with a calling in mind. When he created you, he came up with the idea, I need that person to do this. But listen, it's not just a servant mentality that God's wanting you to do. He didn't just save you so that he could use you and abuse you to further his kingdom. He saved you because it's always been about the relationship. It's always been about putting his hand down and pulling you up higher. Saying, come on my son, come on my daughter, you can get through this. You can get through this marriage trouble. You can get through this health issue. You can get through this thing that's going on in your life. Come up higher. Come up here on my side. Quit fearing. Quit failing. Quit worrying. We just heard a whole series where they told us, name it and claim it, declare it. Fearing is not going to change it one iota. I've not gotten better in my physical body because I get fear and anxious about it. Not one bill has been paid because I stay up and bite my nails at night and try and move this penny to this account and, and swing this quarter over here. I'm tired of worrying about what man thinks about me. I'm tired of it because it doesn't matter. I need a miracle. And there's only one man that can bring me that miracle. And he's on my side. And I'm choosing today to walk in faith. Right when we moved up here, Pastor John had talked with us. We were driving somewhere. And he told me this thing. He was talking about the parable of the, the servants who had their talents. Five, two, and one. And two of them took their talents and doubled it. One of the servants went and hid his talent in the dirt. It's something that Pastor John told me that has stayed with me ever since he said it. He said, as I'm getting older, he says, I question often, did I bury a talent somewhere? Did I do something that, or did I not do something that God wanted me to do? Was there something in my calling, in my mission? Did I bury a talent? family, I don't want to bury any talents. God has been too good to me. God has saved me too much. God has called me and brought me places that I never thought I'd be before. And anything that he has for me, I'm saying yes. Anything that he wants me to do, I'm saying yes. And I'm not going to let anything hold me back anymore. I'm not going to let anything cause me to fear and miss out on an opportunity where God can use me or be used through me. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to worry about what man thinks about me. 
I'm not going to worry about any of those things anymore. If God is on my side and God is talking to me, then I'm going to say yes. I'm going to obey, and I'm going to watch him show up in my life. I'm going to watch him show up in this churches. I'm going to watch him show up in our life groups. The empty seats are just room for more people to fill this place because there's a message. There's a message that we have to deliver, that we all have to play a part in and deliver and bring them here to here. Father God, I thank you that you're on our side today. You've always been on humanity's side. Even if I have to grip my teeth, clench my fist, I will not fear anymore. Because what can any man do to me? What can the consequences of Adam touch me anymore? Because greater is he that's in me than anything that can attempt to come at me in this world. The devil walks around like a roaring lion, looking who he may devour. You're not devouring me. You're not devouring this church. You're not devouring this staff. You're not devouring this congregation. It says you've come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to bring life and life more abundantly. And we choose today to reach and hold on to that life and to reach out to that abundant life. And we will not settle for anything less, Father. Thank you for being on my side. Thank you for being on these people's side. Father, speak to them today that they can walk out of this building and they will not fear tomorrow. They will not fear their boss, their spouse, the bills, any situation that they used to cower under. They will now walk boldly because we have God on our side. Thank you, Father, for this word. Let it affect us and change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.